Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is blind spots of visibility with my friend, Andrew Weimer. Andrew is Director, Operations, North American Activations for Descartes, a global leader in on-demand software-as-a-service solutions for logistics businesses. Visibility is an increasingly important part of our logistics and supply chain toolbox, but there are still blind spots that are preventing our supply chains from firing on all cylinders. Descartes' MacroPoint solution is one of the industry leaders, and Andrew explains how MacroPoint is helping its customers overcome the blind spots of visibility. So please take a listen. How's it going, Andrew? Hey, Joe. Going really well. Nice to be here. Andrew, please introduce yourself and your company where you're calling from today. All right. My name is Andrew Weimer. I'm the Director of Operations for the MacroPoint product. I'm from Descartes Systems Group, is our company. And I am calling in today from Akron, Ohio. Very nice. Very nice. So what does MacroPoint and Descartes do? Descartes do. I, I always want to say the ES on the end, but Descartes <laughs> do. You're, yeah, you're not the only one. So yeah, I'll start with Descartes. Descartes is a global software company, specifically folks in the supply chain industry. We have about 24,000 customers globally with about 150 different products, ranging from everything from multiple TMS solutions to government compliance monitoring, doc appointment scheduling, routing, and then real-time tracking is then MacroPoint. Right. So again, I specifically work uh, with the MacroPoint product, which gives customers, either shippers, brokers, 3PLs, freight forwarders, real-time tracking and real-time visibility into their freight anywhere across the globe. Yep. And so when did MacroPoint get bought by Descartes? 2017. Yep. And it's interesting because it shows the importance of visibility where Descartes was always a very good technology company. We didn't think of, well, that's a great, if you were to say years earlier, oh, you should buy a visibility company, you should start a visibility company and be like, for what? Why? And now it becomes crystal clear for those of us who are working in logistics and supply chain, the importance of, of those kind of companies. And where was MacroPoint? Where are the MacroPoint people from? So MacroPoint was founded in Cleveland, Ohio by Bennett Adelson and Dan Sasserchi. So there's a good core of the team still in the Cleveland area. But we've expanded across the globe. So we have now people across all of uh, the U.S. We have in Canada. We have people in Europe, people in South America, people um, in Asia. So we might have, I'd say, 50% in Ohio still and the other 50% scattered around the world. Yep. I met you, Andrew, at the TIA event in October, TIA Technovations. But before I met you, I was sitting on the plane next to Ben Darren, who had been with macro point for a long time and we talked poor ben he had to sit all the way from detroit to san diego next to me we talked and he spoke so glowingly of um macro point and then he's talked about it being bought by descartes he goes and he started he left and started s2q systems and he said joe i could have been very happy for the rest of my life staying at descartes and then when we got when i got to technovations I saw you speak and then I came and I spoke to you afterwards. I was very impressed with what you had to say at Technovations. So that's how we got connected here. Yeah, Ben's a good guy. I didn't know Ben prior to MacroPoint, but he, Ben, he's a very warm, welcoming guy, very friendly, very approachable. So when I joined MacroPoint, he was one of the first people I, I met. He took me under my under his wing, I should say. So I started actually as in sales on the MacroPoint side. That's how I joined. So I learned from him. I'll say learned from the best from him because he was he's a phenomenal sales guy. But yeah, happy to see him. Happy to see him succeeding with STQ. Yeah, I just published a podcast with him, and I flew out to San Diego with him, and then we ended up sharing a lift to the hotel. And then the, I spent a lot of time with him at. TIA. And then on the way back, I was walking. And I was like, I got to get a lift. And then Ben's like, I got a lift. I was like, all right, of course. I was like, you're going to be happy that I'm not sitting on that plane going back to Detroit. But anyway, we'll get into the blind spots of visibility. But first, tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you joined the juggernaut that is Descartes. Yeah. So I am an Ohio guy through and through, born outside of Cleveland, Ohio. I went for my undergrad to Kent State University and then have an MBA from Ohio University. 
out of college, first job was straight into logistics. I moved to Chicago and, and worked at Coyote. Oh, wow. I was in college. I ran a house painting business and one of my customers, I didn't know, I was standing his deck and he's, what are you going to do for, when you graduate college? I have no idea. Studying entrepreneurship. I want to do my own thing. He's like, check out this company, Coyote. He used to work with Jeff Silver at American Backhaulers when they got acquired by CH. He stood up the the Akron, Ohio CH office. So retrospectively looking at that, like this one customer was standing his deck, broke college kid. He really catapulted my career into this industry. If it wasn't for him, I definitely wouldn't be here. But I, I moved to Chicago, sorry, Coyote. This was early Coyote days when they were in Lake Forest, not in Chicago. And went through the Jeff Silver training program that is Coyote that I'm very grateful to have experienced. Ended up leaving Coyote to come back to Ohio. Worked then at FedEx Custom Critical, which is based down here in Green, Ohio. Helping really, I wouldn't say stand up, but help elevate their truckload brokerage division, which is when I then got introduced to MacroPoint. We utilized MacroPoint while I was at FedEx. I mean, it's a cool company. I wonder where are they based out of? What do they do? Oh man, they're right up the road here in Cleveland, Ohio. This is sweet. Uh, <laughs> another FedEx person had just left to go to MacroPoint, and she she had recruited me, saying, "Hey, well, you're gonna really love it here. I think you should jump ship from FedEx and over to MacroPoint, and the rest is history from here." You could not have been at better companies. Coyote's such a tremendous company, still is, even though they got bought by UPS years ago. They're still a successful company in their own right, and obviously FedEx, one of the leaders of our space. So give us one more time, who's the sweet spot for Descartes? Who do you guys sell to and what problems do you solve for them? I know that's a big company solving lots of problems. Give me the, <laughs> give me the high level. Yeah, Descartes, you're talking every industry, every any company out there that, that has product maneuvers and supply chain. That's You're basically talking about everything. To laser in on macro points specifically and you know what I, I am doing day to day, our sweet spot still is brokers, 3PLs, freight forwarders, as well as shippers, right? These customers that are utilizing third-party carriers to move their freight, that they have no visibility to see where their product is anywhere in the world, right? The brokers are using hundreds of thousands of carriers, whether it be a national carrier like J.B. Hunt or Joe's Trucking, an you know, operator, they need to know where their product is. And then our shippers who don't have integrations with um, you know, their asset-based carriers or if they're utilizing brokers, they want to know where their product is so that there's a, a need there in that industry. Yep. And we all want that visibility. And I, I joke about it. I haven't said it lately, but for a few years ago, 50 companies in a row wanted to come on my podcast and say, Joe, I want to talk to you about visibility. I was like, we can't all talk about visibility every single... You didn't invent it. It's not... If you're not at one of the companies that's providing it, you're just using it. It can't be your only thing you do. It's table stakes. Now the expectation it is, is you have it. But I think it's like at one point we might have said, if you don't have a TMS, you can't right. get certain business. Now I think same thing. You can't get visibility. But now you start to get to the quality of the data... Uh, where where is that data coming from? And it's not perfect, which is why we're going to talk about the blind spots of visibility. Before we talk about the blind spots of visibility, um, I think one of my first exposures, and this is probably 13 years ago, is that long ago? Maybe 15 years ago. Somebody said, and I don't know if it's Macroporn or Four Kites or somebody like that said, oh yeah, you can just download this app onto the mobile phone of the driver and we'll track the driver. And I remember it was like, oh my God, that is the coolest thing ever. And it really was. It was quite a an upgrade from EDI, which we say we used to say <laughs> real-time updates. And I was like, is it? <laughs> you don't do you understand what real time is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So did you guys start off as a, a mobile tracking mobile phones? If you want a brief history here on MacroPoint. So it was appless tracking is how MacroPoint started, right? We could triangulate based off of a driver's cell signal on their phone. So they'd opt in through messaging. But actually, even before that, we were selling, if you remember like the old slider phones, they turned horizontal yes, and yes. popped up and there was like a full keyboard. We were selling those 
for then carriers to install basically as like a ELD, if you will, in not doing logging, but for tracking. And Ben, who you had on here, had one of those mounted in his office, like the original MacroPoint tracking device. So then drivers would opt in. We triangulate based off the cell signal of the, the slider phone from the early 2000s and go from there. So yeah, we got rapid adoption because it was so Im- simple to track. We could get 15 minute or one hour updates, no app installed, flip phones, slider phones, smartphones, whatever, which then there probably wasn't very many apps when we, I said app, but there exactly. wasn't really, there was yeah. no app to you young people look it up on Wikipedia. There was a time when we did not have apps on our phone. And if you stood in line, you just stood in line somewhere. No, no messing with your phone. <laughs> <laughs> so when the, yeah. the ELD mandate, which I'm thinking is seven, eight years ago, 2000. About that. Yeah. All of a sudden, everybody had, we were always supposed to have hours of service and then, and people logged them in books, but some people had electronic logging devices. Now the electronic logging devices, ELDs became mandated. And then companies like MacroPoint said, can we put code inside those ELDs? Is that correct? Close. Yeah. What we learned with the ELDs is that it became just an industry norm for them to have APIs to connect to, right? Because they need to connect to different TMSs that the asset-based carriers are utilizing, and those APIs became public. What we've learned is, okay, as we shifted from appless tracking to then deploying our app, the MacroPoint for Truckers mobile app, okay, what's the next phase to improve adoption? And a big piece of a blind spot a long time ago was, all right, drivers didn't want to download a new app. Right, they have a bunch of apps on their phones, different brokers. So they're like, "I'm not going to do it. Or I'm going to shut it off. I'm going to turn off my phone, whatever." So it's like, okay, to level up our compliance, our tracking success, and make our customers happier, let's bypass the driver, talk directly to the carrier, say, "Okay, what ELD do you have in your fleet?" We reach out, we build the integrations to these different ELD providers, so that then we can connect directly to the truck, directly to the trailer. Driver's not bothered by downloading an app. We get the visibility that our customers are looking for. And it's a much more seamless experience. Yep. And I talked to one of my very early podcasts was with Dean Croak, who's over at um, DAT now, but at the time he was at Freight Waves. And Dean, I think has driven millions of miles as a driver, but then he got into driver safety a long time ago. And when I talked to him about the ELD mandate, this is it's one of my early guests, so it's almost six years ago. And he said, it hasn't saved the lives. It hasn't reduced the accidents that we all thought it might. It's still very complicated to manage drivers' time. We don't want them driving too many hours. I don't. No one wants a, a tired driver, but we also recognize the incredible difficulty of this job. And when you put one kind of one extra thing on top of it, which is you can only drive during these hours, and we've all been we've all driven somewhere and said, "I'm too tired. I'm going to stop for the night." Imagine if there was an app on your phone that said, no, you have to stop right now. And you said, I'm not even tired right now. And so I don't know that we got the the life-saving or the accident prevention. That's another podcast. But yes, what yeah. the ELD did for us, I don't think anybody thought about, somebody did, but not me, was all of the connectivity and all of the visibility tools that were all of a sudden enabled all of a sudden it was a brand new world for our business please elaborate <laughs> oh absolutely because now you have it enabled us from a mac points perspective to we literally stood up a whole new team that all they do is integrate to these eld providers because there's thousands of them around the world right and they all have apis so we're continuously onboarding them because we want to connect as many carriers as possible to our platform and they might be using that one provider that specializes in Florida carriers. And we have a customer. A lot of ELDs. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that helped really launch macro points to get to the next level from a, a data quality and cleanliness that we're going to talk about in a little bit, another level. But then also really supercharge some of the TMSs out there because there's TMSs that have direct integrations as well. The Descartes TMS of Aljax can get high quality data if customers have assets that they're also looking to track to and they want to integrate those ELDs directly into their TMS. It's all it's all seamless now, right? They're planning their loads. They're not having to do anything extra to track the drivers. It's just all visible. So um, it's definitely been a, 
an interesting. Yep. And I think we've all heard the term IOT, Internet of Things. What I, I think it should be called Internet of Trucking, but that's not my job. <laughs> you guys are integrated. I don't know. So that's all the domestic trucks. Are you also integrated in in other things besides I'm just thinking about ports and ocean stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we started in truckload. Right? That was our. That's the biggest problem. Butter for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And then we really followed the customer demand. So next customer demand was LTL. So we built to all the LTL carriers that have APIs available. And then customer demand pushed us into the ocean industry. And ocean is a very complex. Oh, God, yes. A very complex setup. But we've been building over the last several years a very elaborate integrated network that goes directly to the ocean carriers, the steamship lines, to the ports, the terminals, the rail carriers. We can leverage our truckload tracking for the drayage legs. And then within Descartes, like I mentioned earlier, there's a government uh, integration that we have with the GLN or the Global Logistics Networks. Then we can also pull in customs messaging, freight release information, all within to our ocean offering. So it's been a, so you, an internet. You aren't limiting yourself to it plugs into uh, the truck. You're looking and saying, whatever way we can acquire that data, we're going to acquire it and it's going to get better and better. And the ocean stuff we learned during COVID, what a pain it was when we didn't know <laughs> we didn't know whether my stuff was unloaded. I don't know if it's at a warehouse. It's just somewhere lost. And I've always said that when all the visibility discussion stopped, people would use the term, Joe, we've got end-to-end visibility. I go from when, when to when. And they say, from the time we pick it up at your warehouse or your factory to the time it gets delivered. And I was like, what's that, two, three days? I go, the supply chain is a lot longer than that. And I was so that's a handshake, not a hug. <laughs> like I want right, end to end right. might be 15 weeks. And a b- big part of the problem is the ports. And again, ports are super complex. When we think about our trading partners, they're in different time zones. They speak different languages, different cultures. The technology can be different unless you're using Descartes, which is everywhere. <laughs> but they, <laughs> the, the, the challenges that we have with the data and the tracking is obviously significant. We'll talk about that in just a second. But Anyway, we wanted to talk about the blind spots of visibility. And again, as good as it is, and it gets better every single day, we all know there is still some blind spots to it. So what's the first blind spot you want to talk about, Andrew? The biggest, or the first one I should say is around going back to the ELB, just the onboarding process, right? You have the integrations with Samsara, Motive, all the Telmax providers or ELD providers out there, but how do you get the carriers connected? And how do you see who's connected and who's stuck and what they need to do? Historically for us, ELD onboarding was a very manual process, right? You reach out carrier by carrier saying, hey, who's your ELD provider? Okay, you got Motive. All right, you got to do X, Y, and Z. Copy and paste, click this button, oh, yeah. send it to and us. By the we'll way, plug it they're in. not all technology experts either. They're oh my gosh, no, yeah. <laughs> and some of these are owner operators, right? Like they just do the, the plug and play, and like they want to drive, right? They don't want to sit on the phone with a, a MacroPoint person to, to onboard. So that was extremely clunky, and it was a very common issue across the industry as a whole. And I say industry, I'm talking about the visibility industry and different providers. And then when you add on, okay, our customers are all these large, the world's largest brokers and, and 3PLs, we're talking tens of thousands of carriers trying to connect at one time. And it's okay, <laughs> we have this huge queue of carriers backed up. We can't get to them within 24 to 72 hours just because of who we're trying to talk to. Carriers aren't giving us good data. Or they're giving us bad credentials, whatever. Oh, they're on the road, some of them. Yeah, and they're like, why are you calling me? I, I set this up three days ago. What do you mean it doesn't work, right? I sent you what you needed. Stop bugging me. Awful experience, right? Customers didn't know who was being talked to. We're emailing Excel spreadsheets back and forth. It was just chaos, clunky. So what we've done within the last almost a year now, we launched it last April, is we deployed a what we call carrier self-service or self-activation portal where they can now go in and set up their integration with MacroPoint instantaneously. We've really elevated our integrations with a lot of the the big providers, when I say providers, I'm talking about ELD providers saying, hey, we need to make this as simple as possible for our mutual customers, your 
customers, the trucking company, our customers, the broker, we need to make this seamless. How can we make it simpler for the drivers or the carriers to connect? And a lot of them have turned on like a one-click integration for us. It's okay, carrier logs in, clicks, yep, I'm going to get back my visibility. Behind the scenes, all the APIs do the magic. They set up the accounts with the market point. They let our customers know. Drivers are like, I'm right, good to go. And they're on the road and they're done. And there's no interaction with anyone on our team. They're not talking to the support. They're not talking to our onboarding team. They're just done and they continue out their day. And what's been nice with this is it's really accelerated and launched our ability to onboard carriers at a, at a higher clip. Before we were onboarding, maybe like for one customer, maybe 30 to 40 new ELD connected carriers per month. Since launching this, that same customer is now averaging close to almost 400 new ELD carriers connected per month, which is significant because they're improving then their tracking success on average by about 10%. And again, you're talking about removing drivers from the mobile app, putting them on the ELD, higher tracking success, and they're talking they're moving about 150,000 loads a month. So it's an enormous amount wow. of increased success, compliance, and visibility with really minimal work from anyone's end. Yeah, it's interesting when you have any of us in our personal lives or our business life have to do some sort of upgrade in our systems. It's like something you really try and avoid. I, I bought a new laptop just before Christmas. I was like, oh, I don't want to go through this. I don't have time. I'm busy. Yeah. And I bought a new laptop and I thought, okay, here's this is it. Week is gone. The week is gone. And I'm an IBM guy bought the new laptop and I was like, oh, I should just go to Best Buy and have them connect both and just be done with it. I don't have time for this. But since my computer was broken, I did have time for it because what else am I going to do? Yeah. Yeah. So the switch from one laptop to the next, honestly, God took an hour, maybe two. It was just like, boom. And I always say our experience in our consumer lives influences how we feel about things in our work life. So if that goes that easy, and a lot of things we do now with whether it's an app or something online is getting easier and easier. And I think the expectations go higher and higher where you go, God, I just switched my laptop to another laptop in an hour. Why can't I blank? And so it's, you guys listen to the market, obviously. You, you've struggled with them because you're the ones onboarding them. But that clunky onboarding is huge. And again, if it prevents parts of my supply chain from connecting, then that's a problem. So it's fantastic. That's I love it. I love it. So that's the first one, clunky onboarding. And that's a biggie. You guys made it a lot less clunky, made it simple, easy. What's the next blind spot of visibility? The next one is dirty data, right? Yep. And when we talk about dirty data, I'm talking about not high quality, not timely, not consistent, right? Just because we have an API integration to a dispatching system or a TMS system doesn't mean that the data in the system provides any value. So historically, we've had feedback from customers. Hey, you told me this carrier is connected or I've connected with other providers out there and the frequency is not there. Or like, I'm getting updates, but they're from yesterday, right? That does me no good today to action my shipment if I'm getting updates saying yesterday was late, right? So from our end, it's looking at, we know how to get the data is there being generated in real time by different systems, either the ELDs, the telematics units, mobile apps, whatever. How do we make sure that what we're receiving then is objective data and it's not manually entered and it's of high quality and i guess what we'll call it clean yeah and there's a lot of and i call it noise sometimes when somebody it, we now have the ability to say here's where this truck was for the last 24 hours and you say i only care about where it was for the last <laughs> for the four hours it was driving my shipment and I don't necessarily need to know where he stopped for lunch as much as, and even crossing the gate, crossing the gate's important. And maybe that's a, something we're going to track. Say the difference between when he crossed the gate and actually unloaded. I want to understand that. If it's a drop and hook, you want to understand those things. But there's the ability sometimes to collect a lot of data that 
I'm never going to do anything with. And I think it's you guys probably job is to help us filter out all this stuff I don't need. (laughs) Yeah. A real life example of the importance of clean data and timely data is we have a automotive manufacturers, one of our customers who has a just in time inventory supply chain and coming from coyote, they were also a customer when I was there and they had the penalties of, Hey, it's a thousand, a hundred thousand dollars per hour. The driver's late because our line shuts down, right? There's the cost. A lot of times they say a million dollars. I'm an automotive guy. You get threatened with your life. If the line goes down. (laughs) Oh yeah. So they're, Need for visibility, though, is saying, okay, we can't afford the line to go down. And even if we're going to charge the carrier or the broker, whatever, $100,000 for a late fee, that still doesn't cover the cost. So then they look at MacroPoint, and the moment a shipment starts trending late, typically a day or two before it's expected to delivery or to deliver, they're able then to confirm with carrier, yep, broke down. It's going to be a three-day delay, whatever. They can then coordinate, and they do this, coordinate error expedited shipments that, again, coming from my FedEx experience, that cost ten dollars to $20,000 for you know, ship five pallets yep. to uh, a DC. That's significantly cheaper for them to keep the line open versus the million dollars of the line shutting down. So if that data is not there, it's not timely, it's not clean, they can't operate in that manner, and they're screwed, right? Like they, they are incurring big costs for a line being shut down. And if they're getting late data, it's just, it's no good. Yep. And this reminds me when I was still at a 3PL, we had a customer, big automotive company. And every once in a while, we'd, I'd get a call and say, Hey Joe, make sure your guys are on top of this. This absolutely has to be here by noon tomorrow. And I was like, I'd go, I say to my guys, just track this, keep an eye on it. And then there's always a lot going on day to day in a 3PL. And then the next morning I would get a phone call from that person say, I told you that needed to deliver. You guys didn't get it there, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, hang on, I run out the bullpen. And one of my guys, I said, did that deliver? Yeah, yeah, it delivered. I told you. And I was like, hey, yeah, you might've told me. Well, I hear a lot of things. And they would have it in their facility and not know it was there. And... Now, if the proof of delivery, which sometimes can lag, it doesn't tell you that, at least maybe my visibility data could tell me that, by the way, proof of delivery thing drives me crazy. I I just don't understand why it's not automatic on these things. But the visibility tool could tell me, yeah, I got there. This is when it actually arrived. And And I could have that data in my system already. So we don't get our customer calling. And by the way, when that customer calls and they're angry about something, even when you tell them it's there, you received it, so-and-so signed for it on this time, they're not all of a sudden happier because they are they started off angry and they're now they're like, mm, okay, <laughs> just you, you're, you're lucky you did. <laughs> and I was like, hey, I didn't do anything wrong, but that's we don't want our customers in that mindset. I agree. Yeah. That, so one other thing while we're talking about data versus dirty data. We talked about this before we hit record is this idea of subjective versus objective data. So if I'm a little 3PL and I like to have a scorecard for my customer and I'm able to take stuff out of my transportation management system, I say, got there, all these got there on time. And again, sometimes there's proof of deliveries that confirm that. Sometimes we don't have all the data and it can get subjective because this might, oh, this doesn't show a time what would be much better is if the system was filled with stuff that came directly from MacroPoint. And so somebody said, Joe, that didn't get there by 12 o'clock. You go, yeah, actually check the data. Came right from MacroPoint. Got there at 1159 and 59 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> so yep. I think before too long, we're not going to be in this position of my 3PL or whoever able to tweak things within the system that's not true. So if if, if I have a whole bunch of data that says the truck was here at 12 o'clock, it was here at one o'clock, here at three o'clock, here at four o'clock, and it arrived 
at uh, 10 a.m. You're like, no, it did not. <laughs> so talk about how you can help us there. Yeah, it's funny because we have enough. It's a recent example, a shipper who they actually sent us their scorecard that like they use a plethora of brokers, asset-based carriers. And they're like, look at this. Everyone except one carrier is over 90% on time. Like, how is this possible? Like, they live it. We know this is not possible, but this is what we're getting because their system are all carrier-reported events or times. And of course, like, if my if I'm a broker or a carrier, I'm and I can report my on-time score or my times to my customer and my uh, low tendering volume from that customer is dependent on my on-time score or scorecard, obviously I'm going to... yeah make it in my favor as much as I can before it's questioned. And I've lived on the other side of that where it's okay. Hey, there's some pressure here to make sure that we're having good scorecards with our customers. And I know for a fact that we aren't delivering 90% or 95% on time. So customers are coming to us to say, Hey, all right, I need to have some valid or validated objective data showing true on-time performance by carrier and then get it more granular down to the lane by the facilities, et cetera. We've just recently rolled out a new on-time and carrier scorecarding dashboard for our customers to view, which breaks it down, right? It breaks it down by lane, by facility, by carrier, time range, mode, all of that. So then it can compare, okay, here's the Excel file that my TMS spit out of carrier reported events through EDI or manual updates in the portals or whatever versus the macro point automated scoring and enable me to have these conversations with the carriers and the brokers say, Hey, the data you sent through EDI or you updated in our <laughs> portal or you emailed in, you're 95%, but let's look at this on the macro point side. You're really 72%. What's the Delta here? What's going on? And really it's starting on our, in our shipper space that they're paying more attention to that, but it's been an interesting uh, talking point for customers, right? I could tell you, I'm a big believer that we need to be really as objective as we can. So if, if you were my customer, Andrew, and I was responsible for moving hundreds of your shipments per week, I would want to have a weekly meeting and I would want to say, here's all of our shipments by carrier, which ones were on time, which ones were late, which ones had damage, hopefully none, right? But I would want to give you that <laughs> data. And then for everyone that didn't get there on time, I would want my team to explain to you why not. And I've always said this, I've had customers who, and we've all had customers who are open to that discussion and they say, okay, to explain what went wrong here. And then I would always say to myself and my team, obviously anything that we control Let's make sure it doesn't happen again next week. I don't want to see the same mistakes happening over and over again if they are mistakes. But if you find yourself with a customer who says, this is unacceptable, Joe, I'm putting you on notice. If you read me the riot act, every time there's a problem after a while, I'm like, okay, guys, fudge the data. <laughs> We're going to share the good news with Andrew. He's going to be delighted with us. The reality didn't change. All that changed was you couldn't accept an honest discussion or Sometimes it's the 3PL or the broker who didn't want to share because they didn't feel that they could do it. They can't be honest because I have a customer who won't accept my honesty. You kill the messenger, they stop bringing you the news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we need to get to that objective world that you're suggesting. Yeah, for sure. We've had some carriers, I'd say within the last year, this has been a newer trend where they're really caring about their scorecards within MacroPoint and what's getting reported to their customers. Not just because they're tendering and their load volume is at stake, but they just want to have high levels of customer service. And right, it's the ones that you hear about and see on LinkedIn that are hiring like crazy and doing really well and performing well. Like they're also the ones who are caring. And I think there's a correlation there. And if you care to service your customer at a high level and give them honest data and objective data, your business is going to boom. And it's been interesting. So we've almost taken on like this customer success mindset with carriers who, again, aren't customers. We're not receiving any revenue from the carriers, but we want them to be successful because it makes our customers successful. So it's been, a, it's been an interesting 
mindset shift, which is cool. And I, I will say that one customer that I really loved, we did hundreds of shipments a week with them. We had a carrier scorecard. We met with them every week. That Those are mostly less than truckload, but some truckload. And we were very open and honest about everything that went wrong. And sometimes it was billing issues. And we, we would say, we're going to go back and renegotiate the tariff to get something so we don't have that problem again. And I remember about six months into the relationship that um, shipper called uh, into the meeting and said, hey, guys, we've always tracked everything you do separately. And you guys have been completely honest. In fact, more honest than we were. Like you, you told the <laughs> bad news more than we expected you to. And I was like, yeah, when in doubt, tell the truth. <laughs> when in doubt, be honest about it. But again, there's a lot of relationships. We've all been part of it where you feel like I can't tell my boss or I can't tell my customer the truth because they freak on me. And again, the sooner we can get to just the place where you say, Joe, I don't need to hear from you what you think your scorecard is. MacroPoint already gave it to me and it's objective. Now let's talk about how we make it better. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. So what's the next blind spot of visibility? Next one, shifting modes. And like I mentioned earlier, Ocean becoming a very big growth spot for MacroPoint is the port black holes. It's very easy to get on the water updates and it's pretty easy to get drage updates, truckload tracking. But when it's in the port, it's a black hole. You don't know what's going on. Are my containers stuck in customs? Is there cargo inspections going on? I don't know. Is the freight released yet? Don't know. Did they, do they have all documents? Are the bills paid? It's chaos, right? And then unless you have a team truly dedicated to just searching for updates, calling their contacts to make sure that the processes are moving along, which is insanely inefficient, you get slapped with these demerge charges and detention charges that are insanely expensive. So that's a that's something that we've been working to solve because we have these shippers that have this pain where these fees are almost becoming more expensive than the value of the cargo that they're actually shipping. Oh yeah. It can get very expensive very quickly. And I've had Port X logistics on my podcast and Port X, one of the things they're a drayage company, but they have much more than just drayage. They do over the road too, but the, they started as drayage and they've grown. They've, they've, they've done a great job. But one of the things they always say to potential customers is, We'll tell you before your stuff is offloaded at the port. They're really big into visibility and they've grown like a weed as a result of that. Because when you're the, I'm not saying all drage, a lot of drage companies are smaller. They tend to be less tech centric. They don't necessarily need the newest trucks. So it's an overlooked area, but that handoff could be weeks. It can be, during COVID, we saw... hopefully we'll never see it like that again. But during COVID, people didn't know where their stuff was for months. So, and then they, then later on, they got fees that were enormous. And right now we got problems in the Panama Canal with the drought. We got the Red Sea problems. We got the Suez Canal problems. You do not need to have your stuff also delayed once it gets to that port. (laughs) Yeah. And going back to your comment about the drage just being overlooked, I think... It's not just overlooked. It's been so difficult to get adoption that people are like, screw it. It's not worth the pain. I just don't even, I don't, I don't want to fight the fight anymore. I'm just going to move on. Which for MacroPoint goes back to how we started. Like early adoption, <laughs> owner operator, small asset based carriers and how to get tracking data. That's the core of MacroPoint that we've like expanded off of. We know how to do it, right? We've been doing it. We have customers that they're just tracking drayage and it's, it's an easier solve for us. And what, what we've been able to do is then tack on our direct steamship line API integrations and see it that on the water updates, but then leveraging Descartes and where this comes in and what's been awesome about being acquired by Descartes is that the GLN, the Global Logistics Network, has all these integrations or had all these integrations already in place with the ports and terminals around the world. Right. When you know when that ship arrived because of the GLN? Yeah. Well, we, not when the ship arrives. Like, we get that from the ocean carrier through their APIs. But what's 
key with the GLN is we have the integrations with the government agencies. So to track customs messaging in real time, because you don't, that's a piece of people being blind. We don't know if it cleared customs or it's stuck in customs. So we have real time customs messaging. And then the freight release piece, right? Are all my bills pay? Is the BOL released? That's all in real time too, because of these integrations that have already been in place. So it's been cool to tack on existing Descartes architecture and integrations onto the MacroPoint real-time API integrations to just have this truly end-to-end visibility of a shipment from the drayage to the water to the ports to the final leg, right? It's been pretty cool. Yeah, I was um, many years ago when I was still in automotive, we were launching a car in Thailand and we had to delay the launch because we could not clear customs with a lot of automotive parts we were shipping over there. And um, it was a new venture. It was a domestic U.S. domestic <laughs> company and they never had built a car there before. But we had partners, European partners who had and they said, we understand how this port works. We understand how customs work here. They didn't understand as well as they needed to because we had to delay our launch. Because And so I kept saying for a while to my partners in Thailand, it arrived. The ship arrived a month ago. So it'll clear customs. <laughs> nope, it wasn't clearing customs. And it became a bigger and bigger problem. And <laughs> it's one thing to say, yeah, when you're from the United States and you talk about Port of LA, Port of Long Beach, Port of Virginia, you're like, I get those. I can make a phone call. We're all in the same time zone, more or less. When it's on the other side of the world, different languages, different governments, different everything, having the data is so much more important. For sure. For sure. So I want to talk about AI readiness. We talked a little bit before we hit record about this, and I know we touched on it with the dirty data, but we're, more and more companies want to use AI to predict things, to automate things. But if I have to have good data in there, and it has to be a variety of data, and I'm thinking a lot of that data is going to come from Descartes. Yeah, that conversation has definitely been brought up from customers of ours who are trying to build their own AI, uh, like pricing algorithms or routing, like recommendations of routing based on carrier performance and scorecarding. Within Descartes, there's def- we're a technology company, that's what we do. And AI is hot, customers want it. So we're looking at, okay, how do we ramp up our AI and become a true industry leader in that space too. But again, it comes down to your point. How do we, or where is the data coming from? How are we getting it? Is it objective versus subjective data? (laughs) And there's, it has to be vetted out at the onboarding uh, first point of contact and the onboarding of saying, Hey, okay, cool. You, you, You have an API or you have a dispatching system, TMS system, you got data in there. That's not good enough. Right. Tell me how you're getting it. What is the process for uh, generating and fueling your TMS with data? Is it a direct ELD integration? Do you have a proprietary app? Are you using MacroPoint, a competitor? What is it? And then what is the adoption of that and how is it uh, being entered? And making sure that you're removing as much human intervention from the process as possible. Because again, I've lived in the, the seat of the broker at two different places and the amount of data entry that I put in for arrival departure times and check calls is it's, it's assumed times it's rounded up times. It's not accurate. It's late and it needs, that needs to be eliminated. Right. And it comes from these different back to the IOTs, the different devices and the different fleets and uh, the trucks and the boats and everything of truly automated system generated uh, data points. So one other thing, and, I've never talked to you about this, but I'm assuming there's trackers like the Tive tracker or the PackSafe trackers. Are you guys are you guys integrating with them so that you can get the data from those systems too? Yeah. So MacFrame as a stance, we'll pretty much integrate with anyone who has an API. Right? If you have an API and you have devices or and an API just makes source. that connecting easier. We don't have to hire a whole bunch of programmers to do it. It's and it's not EDI where it comes once every hour. It's always open communication channel. Always open. We're calling out to these APIs pretty much every minute, every five minutes to see, hey, is there any new data for this one specific device? And pull that because in. Because right? I see as the cost of tracking goes down. So I know Tive has a nice tracker. So does PackSafe. And that'll tell you the temperature uh, 
of that shipment. It'll tell you the humidity. It'll tell you whether it dropped. Oh, yeah. I think we're starting to see stores where you can walk out of the store and it, you know, a sensor tracks everything you bought. I think at some point when I drive my truck into a, a shipper, a receiver, I should say, they're going to say, yep, everything's here. There's this, they're supposed to deliver a hundred parts, a hundred parts came. And um, I think a lot of that's going to be from the tracker and it's going to be say, I'm assuming that it's going to read the tracker. It's going to communicate to macro point. Yep. This is it. And I think you'll be able to quickly compare it to what's in the system supposed to deliver this lot number, this parts that, and that confirmed. And because I can tell you, you mentioned automotive earlier. I've experienced this as a 3PL. The shipment arrives only to find out that it was short because they were running late on production. So they only shipped 80%, which by the way, the automotive company would probably say, go ahead, send 80%. But now that next 20%, I always say, I had to make sure you're paying for that because you were supposed to be on, you were supposed to send one truckload. Now you're sending two. And so we're going to quickly find ourselves as it's objective data. If right now the cost of a tag that was able to be read by a system was really easy, that would, that would be, that would quickly objective data would be everywhere, but we're not quite there. Those tags, a Tive tracker, a PackSafe, I don't want to quote their prices, but they're coming down. And I've seen, I think it's Tive has a sticker that looks like a sticker, but it's yeah, going to be track. Cool. <laughs> so yeah, Tive's pretty cool. So we have a nice partnership with Tive where we're getting temp data from them as well as location data. So customers who utilize them, we can easily track them. I've interviewed Krenar. I'll put a link to the Krenar interview. And also I've interviewed, I'm going to interview Ilya again from Ilya Preston from PackSafe. They're doing some great things similar to Tive. Yeah. OTIF, on time in full, is a very, I don't want to say trendy, but just a hot, topic that we encounter when we're talking to our customers or prospects, right? Like how are you improving our OTIF ratios and costs, right? And you can do that with real-time tracking, but the in full piece is the the tough piece. And that comes to back to play with what you just talked about. Yep. And by the way, I think the FDA expects it on food. They don't want you to track just the the truck temperature. They would like you to tell the product temperature for every unit, but we're not quite there yet. By the way, um, I've had some conversations about on time and in full lately, and I always say the same thing is the first thing you might get a fine for being not on time or uh, not in full. It could be 1% of the shipment value, 2%, whatever it is. And that sounds horrible because everybody hears, oh, that's $1,000 or $2,000. The bigger problem if you're in retail is I I have an empty shelf, and now if you're the CPG, if you're the food company, now Joe or Andrew is trying out somebody else's product and you potentially lost a customer for life. So if you're the retailer, you're like, I can't make any money. You can't make any money. Andrew and Joe tried a new product. So the fine is the small part of the overall penalty. And I think you're going to see some retailers, we're already seeing it, Aldi, Aldi's that way, Costco's this way. Trader Joe's, all those places have much fewer SKUs. So if you want to be on their shelves, you have to nail it. It's true. They aren't looking for partners who are half in, half out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, I'm going to summarize all this. Then I want to get your final thoughts on the topic, Andrew. So we're talking with Andrew Weimer about blind spots of visibility. First, we talked about the clunky onboarding and how onboarding used to be and how you guys have made it really seamless and easy. Next, we talked about dirty data a long time. We're going to have to get better data, especially if we're planning to use AI. We can't extrapolate a whole bunch of stuff based on subjective things and white lies. It has to be really good data. Uh, We talked about port black holes, and uh, we really learned during COVID how bad it can be in the ports. And again, no, no shame to the ports. It was a very difficult time for them. But Now, all of a sudden, you guys have really good information on the ports. And so you can really start to, sometimes companies just got used to losing a week, losing 10 days. And that's 10 days you're carrying inventory. That's 10 days 
of costs. So if we can get to the place where you say, yeah, that trip through the port is uh, happening 30% faster, you're saving a lot of money on inventory costs. And then we talked a little bit about AI readiness and why it's so important to get your data right. And also to get a data partner who's going to continue to get you better and better data and more and more information around the supply chain. Final thoughts on the topic, Andrew. Final thoughts on topic. Data quality is our focus. We have the connections. We know how to onboard uh, carriers across the globe. It's all right level up the data quality, making sure we're getting the objective data and minimizing that as much as possible. So really what our focus is coming in these upcoming years or this this year specifically is all right, high quality tracking, high quality data, minimize these black holes as much as we can so that our customers are happy. Excellent. Excellent. I love it. So I'll make sure I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile. Also put a, a link to uh, Descartes website, Macropoint website, anything else you and your marketing team give me, we'll put those links in the show notes so people can reach out and talk to you. One more time, who's the sweet spot for Macropoint? And to also Descartes, I know Descartes a much bigger company, but <laughs> who's the sweet yeah. spot and what problems do you solve for them? Yeah, Macropoint, specifically brokers, 3PLs, freight forwarders, and shippers, right? Solving the real-time tracking of third-party carriers, that they're utilizing to move their freight that they have no connection with. Descartes as a whole, like you'd mentioned, 24,000 customers globally, every industry you can imagine that touches supply chain. So I can't really give you a sweet spot. It's a little too vague. Everybody's the sweet spot for them. Yeah, yeah. Depending on your problem in the supply chain, there's a solution that we offer. So what conferences will we see you and the fine folks from Macropoint and Descartes at. So Macropoint will be at Manifest in a few weeks in, in Las Vegas. Yep, I'll see and you there. Are you going? And then we'll, I am not going to Manifest, but I believe I will be at TIA out in yep. Phoenix in April. Yep. So those, I think, are our next two two big ones. Will be. Yeah, I always say if, every conference you go to, you will see Descartes at that. At the, if it's a supply chain logistics conference, we will see you guys. And again, I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile, your link to your website, and any other links you and your team give me. Andrew, thank you so much for taking the time. I li- really love what you guys are doing. I appreciate it. I pre- thank you for having me on. Yep. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.